While they're finishing cleaning up, would you open your Bibles to Acts 15? And that's where we're looking today. Um, Last week, if you were here, I went way, way long, but y'all are back, so I'm going to try not to abuse you again. I heard one preacher said, uh, in, in lieu of last week's 18-point sermon, today's sermon will be pointless. Um, <laughs> but I hope this isn't pointless, um, and, and I will try to, to not get too lost in things. Something else unusual happened last week, and I, I just feel like I need to say something about it, and that is, after the one o'clock service at McLean Bible Church, uh, a SBCV, a Southern Baptist Conservatives of Virginia church, by the way, David Platt is one of our pastors, um, he used to be the president of the International Mission Board, he's written the book um, uh, Radical and then some more books after that. Um, he went backstage after the sermon to do something, and they came up and said, the president will be here in a minute. And uh, he wanted to stop and pray for the shootings in Virginia Beach with a church. He'd been playing golf. He walks in. Y'all saw maybe the picture. Hair slicked back and everything else. And David Platt had a minute to decide, how do I handle this? But it was a Sunday that we were praying for a president anyway. And President Trump was uh, familiar with that. And, and David brought him out and prayed for him. He prayed the gospel. And if you didn't keep up with the news, he afterwards stopped in the back with him and shared the gospel plainly with him. Um, and, and that's not the first time that the gospel is shared with it, that particular president, I know, uh, of others who have done the same thing. So uh, we continue to always pray for those who are elected officials above us, no matter who they are, no matter what beliefs they hold, because the Bible says the heart of the king is in the Lord's hand, and he turns it whichever way he will. And so we pray all people come to know Christ. We pray all of our political leaders come to know Christ. Now, it's not a political statement. It's a spiritual statement. Now, I read an article just yesterday where the guy said, the problem is we start looking at our religion through political eyes, and we all look at politics through Christian eyes, through Bible eyes. Amen? And the Bible tells us to pray. And in this passage as well, this is a, a problem that arose where uh, it had to be dealt with. And uh, something I, I did not say quite clearly uh, last week is this was uh, in the early days of the church an attempt by Satan to divide the church over cultural Gentile Jewish racial Greek uh, Hebrew and theological differences do we have to keep the law or are we free in Christ Satan is always trying to divide the church he's always trying to separate us and many times those three things, and I would add political in our system. Back then, they didn't have a whole lot of choice in the political system. Uh, we do. America is the most unique experiment ever conducted in the history of the world, and it's worked pretty well for over 200 years, but we're in danger of losing it. Every generation has to renew the idea of, of who we are and the process we use. But having said that, so Satan also tries to divide the church over political issues, and we shouldn't let that happen. We have one Lord, one Savior, and it's Jesus Christ, right? He's our master. We follow him no matter what any government tells us to do or not do. We follow Christ. And so, uh, so Satan, we saw how the church handled that and Satan lost. But today we live in a world, I call this today United We Stand. And we live in a world that is all about that. I read a statement this morning uh, by D. James Kennedy. He's with the Lord. He was a famous pastor down in Florida. He's the guy that came up with Evangelism Explosion. And he said that tolerance is the last gasp 
of a people with no conviction. That, that when we don't have a conviction of right and wrong, then we tolerate everybody. But if everything's tolerated, if everybody's right, that means nobody's right. Because two opposites can't be true at the same time. Okay? It's just, that's an impossibility unless you're God. He can do anything. But, and so, what holds us together ought to be greater than what drives us apart. Unity's always been very important to me. And the older I get, the more important it becomes. And, and, and families are split, and churches are split, and, 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 and societies are split, and countries are split. But, but belief in each other ought to win the day. What does it say in 1 Corinthians 13 that love, one part of it, believes all things? In other words, I believe in you even when you mess up, right? Isn't that what we're called to do? Sometimes we, we, we enjoy giving up on people just because of something they did. We, don't, we refuse to believe in them. And conflicts and disagreements always cause division when we engage in them. Now, I'm not saying there's not a right and a wrong. I'm not saying we ought not stand for right, because we should. We ought to stand for truth, uh, what is the truth of God's word. And that's why I always say, if you can show me in the Bible I'm wrong, I'll agree with you. But if it's a matter of preference, well, that's another story, and that's your opinion, and your opinion's like mine. It's worth just as much as mine, and you've got one, and so do I. But when God speaks, we got to build our life around his word, right? And so I just believe in unity. I've seen the... I saw the power of unity uh, when I was a teenager in high school. Now, I'm going to tell you a story that, uh, that, that is not a very flattering story. But remember, I'm a 17-year-old boy, okay, teenager. So all you women, I'm sorry. Um, I do watch, uh, have seen TV shows and movies where when, when, that always show teenage girls being catty at each other, right? Where they always, you know, they made a whole movie. Uh, what was it called? I just lost it. Mean girls, thank you, I was going to say, ugly girls, nasty girls, I couldn't remember. Yeah, mean girls, where, where that is taken to an extreme. Oh, shut up. Well, when I was in high school, my senior year of high school, my church decided to start a school. And they started kindergarten to 12th grade one year. And now this is 1976-77 school year. So I, you can figure out how old I am. I'll be 60 uh, next month. So, so uh, thank you. Um, so my went woo. All right, thanks. Um, uh, but so so here's what happens, especially back then. When when you messed up, you failed or got kicked out of school, right? So when this new Christian school starts at a church, every family that had a kid that got kicked out of every school in Charleston County came to our school because <laughs> they'll take anybody. They need students with money, right? So. So it kind of turned out there's all these church guys there, and there were all these guys that had been kicked out of every school, and they were kind of rough and tumble guys. They really were. That's why we were, uh, well, never mind, I won't go there. So anyway, so one day, the neighborhood kids are walking by. We're standing outside, and one of those rough and tumble guys got into an argument with one of those kids. The guy started yelling at him. He started yelling back, and they made an appointment to meet the next day to settle it the way teenage boys settle it. So... He went out the next day after school for that appointment. And he turned around, and all the Christian boys are standing there. And he said, what are you guys doing here? We said, you're one of us, aren't you? We're here to help. Now, thankfully, the other kid didn't show up. Or if he did show up, he saw us, and he kept moving. And that was a good day. And I'll just say that. I know it's an ugly illustration. But guess what? That guy got saved. 
Why? Because we stood with him. We didn't say, oh, you dumb lost kid, you know, you're an idiot. I guess we hoped it figured, you know, enough numbers and we can keep it from getting way out of hand or something. I don't know what we were thinking because, like I said, we were 17. We're just boys, all right? 17-year-old boys don't make any sense. And I just, amen. 60-year-old men sometimes don't make any sense. So Satan is always trying to divide us over these barriers, over divides of race or culture or economics or in the church, theology, and even outside the church. You run into people all the time to say, well, if there's a God, why does he? And they blame God for everything. And I know God's sovereign can do anything, and he's in control of all things. But God's bringing all this to an end. He's got a reason for it. But the evil and the sin in the world, the Bible says God's of, uh, God is not the author of sin. He doesn't tempt anybody with sin. And so since the beginning, Satan's always sought to divide us. He knows no loyalty. He knows no compassion, he knows no understanding, and certainly he knows no forgiveness. In Isaiah, the Bible says that he said, I will exalt myself above God. The first division he ever tried to create was between himself and God. He thought he could conquer God. What a fool. I don't understand how a creative being ever thinks that, but I have run to people who think that they are better, they know better than God. Some of them go to church, in fact. And so There's Satan versus God in Isaiah 14. There's Adam versus Satan in the garden, right? He divides man from God in in the garden. There's Cain versus Abel. He divides a family, divides brothers. There's the Jewish people against everybody they've ever been around, right? They've always been a persecuted people. And and so we see Satan always working to divide. Uh, We see powerful nations, the Greeks, then conquered by the Romans... Then eventually the English rise, and then the United States. And we sit on that top of that heap at the moment, politically, militarily. We're kind of the, the, the big dog. And the world is divided on these boundary lines. And, and, and we fight, and we fuss, and, we, and, and we, we misunderstand things. I, I want to give you a statement to take home. might not seem to make sense in what I said. This is kind of a continuation of last week. And, that, and it's this. Don't fall short of the grace of God. One of my favorite verses to quote uh, is found in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 15. And, and you've probably heard it said, uh, you've heard it referred to, uh, but when we usually refer to it, we miss an important part of it. In Hebrews 12, 15, uh, it, it says this, and, and trust me, this isn't a topical sermon necessarily. I'm going to get back to the scripture, but in Hebrews 12, 15, It says um, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, for by it many become defiled. And we always talk about people having a root of bitterness. And what it means is, is when something gets you, when something hits you and knocks you to a sinful place, that becomes a root cause of a tree that grows that produces fruit and bears fruit in your life. But we always leave off the first verse when we talk about, oh, he's got a root of bitterness. That's what's going on. Because what does the first part say? See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. So that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. You see, the antidote to that sinful attitude and that dividing attitude, the the solution to that is the grace of God. Because we think of grace as that which saves us, but grace does more than save us and empowers us to live the Christian life. 
The grace of God is there for us to access to overcome sin in our life, to overcome bad attitudes. In Galatians 5, there's a list of, of sins, and there's sexual sin, there's sins of indulgence and appetite, whether it be alcohol or food or whatever. There, there are sins of, of going after wrong religion, but there's also these sins of attitude. I call those the Baptist sins. Because we think it's okay to fuss and fight. We think it's okay to be mad at our brother or sister in Christ. We think it's okay not to speak to each other in a loving and kind way. And, and, and so we think, oh, well, you know, I just, he upset me and I've got this attitude now. I know I'm, I shouldn't be mad at him, but I'm just mad. Friend, that is sin. And it says those who indulge in that sin shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And we take that lightly. We, we, wanna, we enjoy talking about people who don't sin like I do, right? And that, and that right? We'll talk about, oh man, that guy's a sinner, man. He's doing this. And we'll talk about, oh, how sad he's indulged in all these sinful activities. Well, so do you. You're not better than him. You also need to live a life of repentance before God. And so, what I want you to catch today is don't fall short of the grace of God, access the grace of God. You say, well, how do I do that? Through God's word, through what you're doing now, right now, just fellowshipping with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's not actually what you're doing now, but you're t- together, so you can do that. Just being together is not fellowship. Fellowship is when you encourage one another in the Lord, help each other look more like Jesus. Like, hey, I noticed in your life that something's going on. I want to pray with you. I want to help you out. You know, I, or, or asking a question, how are you doing, man? How are you doing in the Lord? I've asked people how they're doing, and they say, fine. I know they're lying. So I just say, well, I don't. I don't want to hear fine. I've noticed this. What's going on? Are you okay? And I've had those people actually share with me. And and I just pray with them. Try to encourage them and help them. And so that verse in Hebrews points out what I'm trying to say in that little phrase. Don't fall short of God's grace. Because once that root grows, then it produces fruit that that hurts a lot of other people. We, we live in a society that believes that we need to get along when we disagree. And I, I, I agree we shouldn't fuss and fight necessarily, we ought, but we ought to stand for what we believe in. We, we shouldn't care uh, if, if somebody doesn't like it because truth doesn't care about your feelings. It doesn't care about my feelings. and I need to apply truth to me. The Word says stand on truth and preach the truth. And there is, I, I hear this phrase a lot today, well, that's your truth. This is my truth. No, there is only one truth, and it's God's truth. And you don't get a vote. <laughs> we live in a country where we get to vote, but you don't get to vote when it comes to God's will. It's always kind of, I've, ever since I was a little kid, I was wondering why the church was voting on anything. I thought we just were supposed to do what God said. Love our neighbor, serve the Lord, try to win people to Christ. I, I grew up, I get it, there's some business matters we've got to decide on, but... But that shouldn't divide us. I mean, we ought to be after the same thing. And so let me read these verses for you. It's, it's about 13 verses. So if you'll stand up with me in Acts 15, just so I can talk about them in a fast way. I only got about 10 minutes left, so let me get into it. And then it's, I'm not going to, this passage is almost a repeat of the passage before it. I just want to point some things out. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch. With Paul and Barnabas, they sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers. And with the following letter, here it is, quote, The brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. 
Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions. Catch that. It has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas. And by the way, Silas was probably the guy that actually wrote down what Peter says in First and Second Peter. He was the guy that wrote it for him. Who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements. That you abstain from that which has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you'll do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers and those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. You can be seated. Thank you. I appreciate you standing up for that. You didn't necessarily have to, but it was, it was nice. I, I just want you to notice a couple of things about that passage. And I only have a few minutes to do that. And first of all, the, the church had decided... When Paul saw this problem in Antioch, he took it back to the church in Jerusalem. He took it to the authority that existed at that moment in that time to settle it. I hear people, they talk about issues amongst themselves, and they never ask the one person that can help them get it settled. You ever notice that? I learned from a wise man, probably the wisest man I may have ever known, and that is just go to the top. I mean, when I had a problem, I never asked the next guy up. I just said, who's in charge of the whole show? And I'd go ask them. I went and asked the, de- the, the president of the whole university something one time. He goes, I don't deal with that. Go ask the dean. I said, I know. But Dr. Burchett said to ask the guy at the top, and that's you. <laughs> and he said, well, tell him you talk to me. I said, I will. So guess what? I got to do what I wanted to do. So that's how you handle that. Paul went to the authority that existed. So those authorities... Those apostles and elders, but I want you to notice, James, the pastor of the church, made the final decision. And I, I, I to- talked about that last week, I can't go back into it. But in the presence of Peter and other apostles, for James to be the guy that they look to, tells us a lot about church authority and church structure. And so, but here's what James does. James is not dumb, and it's, it's evidence in these verses. He says... Let's choose some men and send them back with Paul and Barnabas. Because Paul and Barnabas are on the side of this letter. Before the letter, that's what they wanted. And they got what they, what they believed, what they wanted, which is the truth of God's word. And that is, a Gentile doesn't have to become a Jew to be a Christian. You can just be a Christian simply by the grace of God. You don't have to go through the laws and all the, all the other rigmarole. And so they said, but if we just send Paul and Barnabas, it's going to look like they just came back and said, yeah, that's what they said, because you don't have telephones, internet, you got no way to find out whether this is true or not, unless you want to make that trip and ask yourself. So they picked some men who were trusted out of the church that's in Jerusalem to go with them, to say, as officials of the church, we are telling you this is what everybody decided. Isn't that smart? Do you see what he's doing? He's not doing that in a political way. He's doing that to keep the unity 
of the believers together. He is killing this party and the belief of this party which said you had to be Jews before you could be Christians. He sends them back to the source of the issue because it was in the Antioch church. And then he explains the answer with unity. He addresses the church that had the problem, number one. He specifically calls those out in the letter. Notice that. The brothers, the apostles and elders in here in Jerusalem, to the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, we send greetings. And then he goes on and he says, we never said that. I, I, I've heard rumors of things I said that I never said. Now, when you talk a lot, the Bible says in many words, there lacks not sin. So I know that when I talk a lot, which I love to talk a lot, I'm going to mess up. But I know, I've heard stuff I said that I know I didn't say because I never would have said that. You understand what I'm saying? But somebody heard something I did say, turned it into something I didn't say, and then told everybody I said it. So if you ever hear something that I said and you got a question about it, come ask me. Because I promise you, if you come and say, what do you believe about that? I don't open my Bible and go, turn in your Bible to the book of Acts. I'm going to show you. I don't do that. I go, what would you hear? Let's talk about it. I'm very nice in person, all right? Uh, so... Uh, well, as nice as I can be, I mean, you know, but um, I, I'm not going to yell at you. And so the first thing James says in his letter is, we understand some men came from here to you, and they tell you some stuff we didn't tell them to say. That is not from us. And he disavows that. He said, we didn't say it. Now, you got to trust that that's true, and we know historically that is true. So that's the first thing he points out. Then he says, but here's what we did decide because we heard your problem. And so we prayed about it, we talked about it, we, we, we ironed it out, and here's what we decided. And I, I told you this list last week, basically saying don't offend your Jewish brothers. You've got to be the stronger Christian now because they're weak. If they see you eating meat offered to idols, they're going to go, ah, you're eating meat offered to a pagan god. And even though you know that's not a real god and it doesn't bother you, just don't do it because it upsets them. Or don't let them see you do it anyway. Don't eat or drink anything that had blood in the meat when it was made. Don't drink blood. Don't participate in any of that craziness. And make sure you get a good kosher meat before you eat it. And stay faithful to your husband or wife. That's just what everybody ought to do. And you'll do well if you do that. And said, we're not going to lay a new burden on you. This is just what you ought to do. And this, do this just not to offend your brother or sister. That wasn't a matter of, oh, well, we can't do that. It's just don't offend your brother or sister is what Jane, the, the matter of the, of the letter, but it comes with accountability. After he says all this, he says, we have sent men that have risked their lives for the faith. People who have put their life on the line to follow Christ, so you can trust these men. He's, he's acknowledging them, and we sent them with Paul and Barnabas, who can say, yeah, these are good men that have risked their life, and we trust them as well, and this is what happened. And so there's this accountability in the message so that everybody can stay, say it with me, united. United. Because united we stand, right? And when we divide ourselves, we fall. And I love the response of the church. So they went down to Antioch, having gathered the congregation together. First of all, in verse 30, they get everybody together. Hey, hey, everybody show up. Come together. We got some news for you. And when they had read it, the people rejoiced because of its encouragement. When's the last time you rejoiced because of the encouragement of the Word of God that your sin was totally taken care of by Christ on the cross? And you, don't, you can't add anything to that. 
There's nothing you can do. Now, I get excited every time we come to church. I don't, you know, I know some people, they, I don't know if you're a music snob or what, but if the, if the beat or the sound or the rhythm or the melody doesn't appeal to you, you just go, I just can't believe we sang that. Man, all I'm listening to are the words. And, I, and that last song, man, I was, I was about to have a holy hissy fit right there, man. That was just, whoa, Christ has done it for us. His blood's covered it all. We are free, man. I come in church excited because he saved me. And I'm always encouraged when, when I get further down the road than where I am and, and where I need to be. And even these other two men that go with with, I mean, it's contagious. They, they are celebrating. They read it. They're, the believers rejoice or encourage. And Judas and Silas, who themselves are prophets, encourage and strengthen the brothers with many words. They're like, man, I'm so excited you guys are saved. And they just dive into it and they start encouraging them. What a wonderful picture of unity and encouragement in the body of Christ. That's how it ought to be. Because, again, united we stand. But divided we can fall. And you've got to deal with what's true and not true. But here, we, see, we live in a society where if, if I disagree with you, you think I hate you. I mean, literally, you can see that. I just read another article this morning that, that a pastor in Canada was arrested for, for preaching in a predominantly LBGT community, the love and grace of God. He never even mentioned LBGT. He just talked about the salvation that's theirs in Christ. And he was told to stop, uh, to quit using a microphone. So he put that down, but he kept talking, and then they arrested him. Now, that's in Canada, but that's just a few miles above us. And there are people in our country who would do that. And, and, and when you say something that this is sin, see, if you ask me, is homosexuality a sin? Yeah, heterosexual sin, homosexual sin. We all sin. All of us are sinners and fall short of the grace of God. I'm not the Savior, Jesus is, and I'm a sinner like you are or were a sinner. But my sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the difference between me and the lost man. That's it. That he's killed my old nature, given me a new nature, so that I, now I desire the things of God, but I'm still in a process of being changed. And we look in a mirror darkly, we're changed from glory to glory. It's a process I'm going through until God goes, okay, that's about all I can do with you there. I'm going to bring you on to heaven. We'll finish that here. I thank God. My, both my parents are in heaven. <clears throat> a lot of people I know that are in heaven. And I just thank God that they've been made complete in Christ there. That they, they get it now. They're done. All the fallibilities of their life are over. They, they're done in Christ. And and I know that I look forward to that. I was saved. I am saved. I'm going to be saved in heaven fully. And so when we disagree, here's the deal. Let's say you're my brother in Christ and you mess up. I'm going to say Milton here, my good brother Milton. He, he blesses my heart. So Milton really messes up. And you come and say, Milton did. Bye, 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 bye. I'm going to say, you need to back off. Okay, that's my brother. Now I'm going to go to Milton and say, hey, man, this is what they're saying. Actually, I'm going to drag you to see him with me. But for the sake of this argument, I just forget that part. And I go to Milton and I say, this is what somebody said. What's going on? And he goes, yeah, I, I messed up. Oh, brother, let, let me pray with you. Let me help you. Let me encourage you. Let me hold you accountable. Talk to me. You see, when, when someone's 
caught up in a sin, the Bible says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Taking heed to yourself, lest you too become a castaway. See, it's not, it's not our job to judge with final judgment. It's our job to judge biblically. That's not right. Let me help you get it right. Our job is to help the Christian get it right. That's unity. That's not accepting wrong. Well, he's messed up, but we all mess up, and we want to be together, so we'll just accept it. No, we don't accept it, but we don't throw them out. We encourage them to do the right. Now, if somebody's just a blatant sinner, no, I'm not going to repent and all that. That's a different issue. But our job as believers is to restore our brother to the right place in his life. And you better do that with humility because you're just as bad as they are. That's Galatians, by the way. If you want to read that book when you go home, it's only six chapters. You can do that pretty quick. And so these prophets encouraged and strengthened them. And then Paul and Barnabas said, we're going to hang out and keep teaching you now. Because remember this church that Paul and Barnabas kind of started, sort of. And then they went on a mission trip, came back, saw this problem. They take care of this. Now they're back. They say, okay, we're going to hang in here. We're going to help keep teaching you uh, the truth of this. And I don't know exactly in this time frame when Paul wrote Galatians, but the book of Galatians based on this event and on this this fallacy. And so what do we do? Well, let me give you a couple things you can do this week. I tell you, be quick. I'm getting this out on time. Number one, when you're dealing with division, do it above board with compassion and integrity. If there is a division in the body, do it above the board with compassion and integrity. Let everybody say, here's the problem, here's the issue, what do we do? I've noticed that that silences a lot of people when you do that. You see, the devil loves darkness, doesn't he? He loves darkness because he used to be an angel of light. But then he fell, and Corinthians says he can still appear as an angel of light to fool even sometimes the elect, the, the people who are believers. But he loves the darkness. I've never gone by a bar that had clear windows. I'm just saying. You don't want anybody to see what's going on in there. We try to hide it. We try to, it's getting more and more open, isn't it? Now, I don't mean just that. I mean, sin in America is getting more and more open. Everybody's, we now celebrate. We now have to, we now have to have a whole month talking about how proud we are about people sinning. So when we, I mean, people with bad attitudes didn't get a month. That's one of my worst sins, man. I get a bad attitude. There's a grace of God every day for me. So when, when you're dealing with a division, do, do it above board. Just say, hey, we got a problem. <laughs> Don't say that out loud. Why not? If you're going to bring the light of God on it, bring the light of God on it, man. Put a flashlight on it. See, I grew up in Charleston, and when you turn on the light in the dark, cockroaches run. And when you take the white-hot searchlight of God's Word and you put it on a problem, the cockroaches run. I'm just saying. Secondly, Search for an area where you have held on to an offense. Where somebody made you mad, made you angry, so-called, because nobody can do that. You just allowed that. You decide to take an offense over what somebody said or did, or you've made up some little story in your head, and you're just like, oh, i got a right to be angry. No, you don't. You need to not fall short of the grace of God, lest a root of bitterness grow a tree that produces fruit that hurts other people. So... Ask God and search, am I holding on to an anger, a bitterness, a, a complaint, 
a grudge. I come from Celtic people. You know, we have Irish Alzheimer's. We forgot everything but the grudge. We, don't, we do hold on to that. Take all our emotions, bottle them up right here, then we die. That's how that works. And so as a redeemed Celt, I've let go. Let go of that offense. And it's a, that's a constant battle, too. For me, you can ask my wife, man. I can get mad and never tell anybody and just be mad for a week. A little crybaby, you know. Don't fall short of the grace of God to deal with that and get it over with. Take care of it. And ask God to help you to get rid of it and re- repent of pride. Because taking an offense is an act of pride. It means you know better than everybody else. Or at least you think so. And you think you're as good as God and somebody sinned against you. No, they sinned against God. David said against you and you only have I sinned. Right? So the offense you did, the offense they did is against God. And so that's God's business. Is God upset? I don't know. Just say, hey, Lord, what they did, they tried to hurt me, and I'm not going to take the offense. I'm going to let you handle that because they really sinned against you, so you take it. And I'm just going to walk off and let you handle it. I promise you God can handle it better than you can because he knows all about you and he knows all about them. You don't know all about them, and they don't know all about you. Right? So... Repent of your own pride at having your feelings hurt. I know I've quit preaching gone to meddling, but I'm just preaching at me and letting you listen in. And then let's all rejoice together in God's truth. That when Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished, he wasn't just saying something to be saying it. He took care of all my sin and your sin on that cross. And if you're an unbeliever today and you want him to take care of your sin, all you have to do is cry out to him and say, Lord Jesus, take my sin on yourself. Take it away from me because your blood is sufficient for all of my sin. And you'll be free. You will be forgiven and free. And you can dive into God's word and start learning what he has to say. And you have a light on the path, God's word, but you have a presence in the dark. The Holy Spirit comes to live with you when you become saved, right? I often tell that story. My mom, at night sometimes, 9 o'clock, started to make sandwiches for our lunches the next day and realized she's out of bread, and we had the day-old bread in the freezer outside in the shed. And she'd say, Stuart, would you go get a loaf of bread? I'd say, Daddy, would you go with me? Because I was scared. I was scared of everything before I knew the Lord. And my dad would say, sure, and he'd stand at the door and Or sometimes he'd walk out there with me, and I had to unlock a door in the dark, take the lock off, open it, reach up with exposed wires on the switch box. Robert, wherever you are, I know you're shuddering. You didn't want to hit those wires wrong, you know. This is a long time ago, y'all. OSHA didn't exist back then. (laughs) If you think OSHA is a lake in Minnesota, you are in trouble. (laughs) And I hit those lights, cockroaches everywhere. (laughs) That's why I know that. But you know what? Because my dad went out there with me, I wasn't scared. You see, we got the truth of God's word, but we also have his presence in the dark. That's why when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Amen? So, let's rejoice in God's truth that our sins are forgiven. He is with us. He's given us a faithful accounting of everything we need to know for faith and practice in his word. 
And as we study and know and learn God's word and apply it to our life, it's John 15, abiding in the vine. And as you abide in Christ and his words abide in you, ask anything you will and it'll be done for you. And God will take care of you. He will walk with you. He will show you his way. And when it comes to your brothers and sisters, and I always tell people, you can't offend me unless you mean to, and then you can't offend me. Because <laughs> it ain't about me. And I know who I am. I know what I've done. I know I, Charles Spurgeon said this. If someone speaks ill of you, take, take heart. You're much worse than they think you are. <laughs> And I know that about myself. I'm worse than any of you think I am. But God knows all of that. And he gave his life for me. Just as he gave his life for you. And so I'm going to love you. And I'm going to ask you to come to Christ. Because I don't have any other option. That's the only option open to me right now.